If you are a Braveheart, the next hour is just for you. Welcome to Bravehearts Radio with Brian Reinbold. In this program, you'll learn who the Bravehearts are and connect with them to help change the world. By doing so, you'll be changed for the better. Now, here's your host, Brian Reinbold. And welcome, Bravehearts. Uh, you know, I know how difficult it can be to go through your days without purpose. And I know what a great joy in life it is to find your purpose and to live it. And at Bravehearts Radio, we are at our best when we are helping others to find that genuine voice within ourselves. Today, we're going to talk about purpose, finding it, living it with uh, Scott Mason. He's the host of Scott Mason's Purpose Highway podcast. And uh, welcome, Scott. Man, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. I have been excited, too. And and it's finally here, and I I could not be more stoked. (laughs) Hey, you want to connect with Scott, uh, 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 speakerscott.com or uh, email him at uh, scott at speakerscott.com. You can uh, find all of the uh, show information and uh, Scott's information, too, on the braveheartsradio.org website. you know, I, I have, today we had, um, we're always doing something new with our, you know, the adventures in, in broadcasting and podcasting. And uh, I had, um, uh, I had a, a four minute intro planned uh, to, uh, because, because of the ch- a little bit of a change in format that we're working on now. But when I looked at the, the start today, I realized, um, wow, we're, we're right on the, the, the place where I should be starting after the four-minute intro. So, doggone it, folks, you're going to have to wait until at least next week to hear that. <laughs> uh, you know, we'll be okay without it. Um, Scott, you, you, you have a um, – well, I, I know I've, I've heard you on the, uh, on, on the podcast. I've heard you uh, hosting uh, our friend Frank Agan, who connected yes. us originally. And, yes. um, uh, and then I, I listened to – uh, his podcast where he was hosting you and uh, <laughs> I've been on his podcast and I think I'm, I'm scheduled to be on yours. So yes, what, I don't think we have any, you know, I did the math. That's all the permutations that are possible unless the three of us get together for a, uh, um, a wait a minute <laughs> <laughs> racing down the purpose highway. So um, purpose highway, how did, uh, how did, uh, how did you, um, how did you get on the highway? Uh, a lot of it in my case had to do with either intentionally avoiding it until I became so miserable and unhappy that I had no choice, but to face it number mm-hmm. one. And then number two, accepting what it meant to be on the purpose highway Mm -hmm. to accept that it was not about me, my needs or what I wanted or where I wanted the highway to take me, but where the highway itself was destined me simply being a passenger on it. Yeah. Here I am. Here you are on the purpose highway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, you know, we've talked about some, we talked quite a bit in the past, as we've um, had some conversations about yes. uh, leadership. And, uh, you know, I don't know if I, I went into much detail about your, your introduction. Um, you know, I could spend the whole segment 
uh, on your introduction, you've got uh, a lot of accomplishments. Um, one of the things that, that I'd um, like to point out is that um, uh, you are one of the guys that uh, is on my phone and I will answer the call without a scheduled appointment. <laughs> that, that is a privilege. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we, we, I'm spinning around like a top just hearing yeah, that, man. That's great. It's, it's, it's funny how we've reached this level of uh, of connectivity with people. Right? Yeah. Um, but, you, you know, we, we had talked about the idea that um, – Leadership comes from from within. Yes, um, you know the the first person that we need to lead is ourselves. Absolutely, and uh, you you have a great story about um, uh, a mentor. Yeah, that uh, I think I think the listeners might like to hear a mentor or the lack of perhaps. Well, you know that uh, where where it became you know yeah just. Uh, you know the story I have that may, might resonate with people the most goes as to a period in my life in which I was frustrated because I couldn't get one and didn't have one. Mm -hmm. I worked for government for a long time and in New York City mm -hmm. under a couple of mayors that are well-known. And one of the things that I noticed occurred if you wanted to advance quickly was that you got a mentor and that mentor worked with you to help tighten up your work, make sure that it was quality. They would help you navigate the politics and they would open up doors for you. They would call up their higher ups or people in positions of influence and say, oh, you've got to meet so-and-so. Oh, and they would push for you to get jobs. I could not gather one and it was frustrating. I felt like I was always having to sell myself to justify my promotions or to do so much work that people felt they couldn't not promote me. And I was griping about that with a boss of mine. Why, mm -hmm. why can't I be one of those people that just magically has a mentor? Tell me, Scott, this is what you need to do. And if you do it, I'll make the introductions and the doors open for you. Yeah. He looked at me and he said, Scott, it will never be you. You will never have a mentor. I'm sorry to tell you that. Mm -hmm. You don't have the right personality. You, it, it just doesn't happen with people like you. Brian, as you can understand, I'm sure you can imagine too, I was devastated to hear that. Mm -hmm. No one likes hearing that you just won't get a mentor mm -hmm. for whatever reason. But then he said something next that changed my life and did open the door to the mentor that I've had who has served me the best. He said, Scott, you will need to be your own mentor. For someone like you, that's who and what you're going to get. That's what it's going to have to be. Mm -hmm. And as you can imagine, that changed my life. I realized that I needed to frame how I interacted with myself. Sort of, as you mentioned a minute ago, leading from within, yeah, mentoring from within. One of the first things that I did was I put together a curriculum of reading that I needed to do to build up my skills. I couldn't wait for someone to tell me these are your skills or to give me the direction. To this day, and that was more than a decade ago, every year I put together a curriculum of reading that I need to do 
to build my skills, to develop as a person and as a leader. It mm -hmm. works. Yeah. I reached out to people and began to ask them, where do I need improvement? What advice do you have for me? Wow. That has been the driver. And that's been one of the things that has opened the door and allowed me to roll up the garage, hop in that car and begin my race down the purpose highway, yeah. not relying on others for direction. Bad news can change your life if you take it the right way. Yeah. And, and how, has that, uh, how has that served you now? It has served me well. I think that since then, there have been people who have come in my life who have offered to help me, give me a helping hand, or taken their, their time to lead me or to say, Scott, this is how I can help you along. I am happy to take that advice um, and I'm much more open to it. I'm much more grateful for it and I don't take it for granted. Mm. And that combined with my own drive and understanding that I need to have the humility to constantly push myself to learn mm -hmm. has taken me further than I would imagine. Yeah. Pushing yourself to learn. Wow. You know, we're going to, we're going to go to break here um, shortly. Remember that you can sponsor uh, Bravehearts radio for as little as $280 and you're not just promoting your business, uh, you're making lives better for the kids and families served by the Brave Hearts for Kids Pediatric Cancer Charity, braveheartsforkids.org. Uh, stick with us. We will be back on the other side of 60 seconds after these important messages. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Brave Hearts Radio is sponsored by Brave Hearts for Kids, a national pediatric cancer charity. Our mission is to provide life-saving hope and inspiration to families facing a pediatric cancer ordeal through outreach, information, and mentoring. Our recently updated Spotlight Hope mobile app puts families in touch with resources to help make their lives better from any location in the USA. For more information or to help, go to BraveHeartsForKids.org. That's BraveHeartsForKids.org. As the mission specialist, Brian Reinbold doesn't fly the rockets, but he does help to make sure each mission gets accomplished. Employee engagement is such an important concern for business people today. Brian helps socially conscious businesses reduce expenses, increase profits, and inspire a sense of dedication in the workforce by training mission-building behavior. It's not what Brian does that's most important. It's what people do after he trains them. For more information, contact Brian Reinbold at Mission Specialist at BraveHeartsRadio.org. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're part of Brave Hearts Radio. Call into the program today to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also email Brian. His email is missionspecialist at braveheartsradio.org. Now, back to this week's show. And welcome back, Bravehearts. You're listening to Bravehearts Radio. I'm your host, Brian Reinbold, and I am the mission specialist because I don't fly the rockets. I just help make sure the trip gets accomplished. 
Uh, and we are planning a couple trips this year. Uh, one is to Machu Picchu. Uh, that's in December, the 12th through the 18th. Um, find out about that uh, at BraveHeartsRadio.org. Or if you want to go to our new uh, uh, BraveHearts Adventures uh, website, that's uh, MachuPichu.BraveHeartsAdventures.org. BraveHeartsAdventures.org is uh, Vacations with Purpose. You know, I could spend the whole dang show just doing promos and, uh, you know, thanking Frank Agan for connecting for connecting us and thanking That's J.D. Gershbein for connecting me with Frank. J.D.'s going to be on the show next week, by the way. And uh, um, what a great uh, community that we've, that we've built in the last year. I call it the tail side of the COVID coin, mm-hmm. you know. So how, how's that, how has the last year been uh, for, for you, Scott? Challenging and transformative. Mm-hmm. I live in New York City. Yeah. I actually live about a half a block from Central Park. Mm-hmm. And Central Park, probably a good four-minute bicycle ride from my house, maybe 10-minute walk from my mm-hmm. house, was a place where tons of beds were put up last year to treat people that could not fit into the existing hospital infrastructure due to serious COVID issues. Wow. I had an emotional moment at some point during the late spring or early summer last year when I was riding by that part of the park and saw that they were beginning to take those beds down. Mm-hmm. Because although by no means was the lockdown over or the saga of COVID complete, Mm-hmm. That horrible phase of knowing that in the beloved park, a half a block from my house, there were people dying every day. Mm-hmm. That part, at least, was over. I had a friend who worked for one of the hospitals in Queens that was near the epicenters. Mm-hmm. And he, I remember talking to him during the darkest hours of the spring. He was traumatized because when people were dying, They were literally just throwing them into freezer containers behind the hospital because there were so many. They just they didn't have the staff to deal with it. And -hmm. staff were coming down sick. This is something that no one can prepare themselves for until it happens. Mm -hmm. So that was tragic. I had a client who sent an email that I woke up to one morning that said, It wasn't just to me. It was to some of her external strategic partners. She was a business owner as well as to her entire staff. That email said, I'm about to go into the emergency room due to severe COVID. In the event I do not come out, Mm -hmm. the purpose of this email is to uh, designate Scott Mason as the person who I will turn the business over to to wind it down. Brian, that is an email the likes of which I hope to never see again yeah. in my life. It was shocking. Thank God she's okay. I know mm-hmm. anyone watching or listening wants to know about her. Yeah. So it was tragic. It was dark. I was near the World Trade Center when it fell down, and mm-hmm. I worked in the emergency response area for years afterwards in response to that. When the World Trade Center fell, I thought... I would experience nothing worse in my life. Mm -hmm. This was worse. However, in the darkest of darkest valleys can come the most beautiful lights. Mm -hmm. And relationships have been transformed. Mm -hmm. 
I've met people like you and Frank Agan and countless others that I would never have met. I've adjusted to new technology. Before this, I had an incident in Central Park. Central Park is special to me, not just because it's in the neighborhood and because it's generally a special place, but it was the place where I understood how to get to my purpose. In that, I've also come through this to an understanding of what that means, how I can accomplish it, the whole concept of a purpose highway and my own journey down that and the connections with people that have occurred because of the privilege of being in a place where I can understand that. COVID, the lockdown, isolation, pivoting, force change, all of that has happened. I believe in a way and have felt from the beginning since COVID really began to go down, that in a way, certain people like me were wind-up dolls sitting in a corner. I might have been wound up. I might have been waiting. But when the time came, I was activated. And so that's what COVID has been for me. Mixed. Mm -hmm. Darkness, darkness, but light, too. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you mentioned that the, the mix of it. And, um, you know, I, I think it's... it's um, I think of it as a as as a, uh, a two sided coin. You know, yes. you've got you've got the the pandemic. You've got the 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 disaster that that was, and the yeah. the the agony for so many people. Yeah. And then the, the the tail side of that coin is how we adapted yeah. as as people, and uh, and how I, I've said this for a long time, and and it's it's been really evident this year, the more you talk to people, the smaller the world gets. And it, it's been more like, you know, I, hey, um, I talked to somebody, uh, you know, coming from Bismarck, North Dakota, I talked to somebody from, from Fargo or Dickinson, it's like, there's some variety, you know, and now I'm, you know, and now I'm connecting with people from all, literally, literally all over the world. Yeah. I, like many entrepreneurs, have been involved for some time in local networking groups. Mm -hmm. yeah. Those networking groups are awesome. But for me, and I'm sure for a lot of people, you and, and many of your listeners and viewers included, those networking groups, in a way, outlive their usefulness for me because of that local nature, mm -hmm. moving deeper and deeper into the pandemic and what will become a post-pandemic world of deepened interconnection, of broader scope of what our geographical community can mean and can be. Purely local is perfect and great and will be forever for a lot of people, but it's open profound doors for those of us who were looking for the opportunity, able, ready, and willing mm -hmm. to dive in. Yeah, well, and I, I think something that um, something I've, I've noticed is is that I I believe that we have a new appreciation for the opportunities that we have to connect with people in person mm -hmm. that we had um, taken for granted before. And you know, there, there's there's an idea that you know the opposite of appreciation is to take something for granted. Mm. Um, so, uh, you know, we just, just like, you know, I can, I can always get on the train and head downtown and, and have a meeting with somebody. Yeah. No, you can't, um, it, it, find a different way to do that. And we did, and we adapted. And, and to some extent, we're not going back to, to doing things the way we did, 
but we because the, the the efficiency of us having a conversation i'm in chicagoland you're in in uh, the big apple you know hey um getting get the just the expense of getting together personally right. is just right. that that is not going to um that's not going to change we'll I don't think we're going to transition back to that, but I, I really believe that we'll have a, a profound appreciation, at least for some time, yeah. of being able to actually connect with people. And there will probably be, I don't know how you feel about this, but I know that this will be the case for me, that moment when we either see people that we haven't in so long, mm-hmm. I have one of those sorts of meetings planned this Sunday, or the first meeting of those that we've gotten to know so intimately through this. I mean, think about it. There will be that day. It might be whenever when you and I meet, it's yeah. going to have a totally different significance than if we had just emailed back and forth or if we had um, had phone calls or whatever, because the only reason, yes, we might not have met due to logistics or due to expense or things like that, but really the reason we would not have been able to meet, we both know, will have been because of this. Yeah. And so when we meet those people who might have otherwise been in our orbit, I don't know about others. Mm-hmm. It's going to be emotional for me. Yeah. I- I'd lie if I weren't going to say that there might be tears shed. Now, I'll deny it later. Let's make no mistake. But yeah. there will be tears shed. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and, and uh, you know, uh, I, I mentioned how um, I, I, I tend to spend a lot of time in promotion on the show. Uh, one of the things that, that I'm looking forward to is, is getting to uh, the Red Tiled Roof, the uh, Catalina Retreat Center. That's Daniel's place. And Daniel Gutierrez has been on the show a couple, three times at least. And, uh, you know, we, we've never met. Uh, I, I, he's one of my best friends now. And <laughs> it's like we've never met. And yeah. it's like... Um, I can't wait until we get together at this place, and I, I see it as a place to bring thought leaders together. Um, I, you know, you, you said you've been to Machu Picchu already. Yes. Um, welcome back, man. Uh, <laughs> you know, you, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll start a welcome back theme song for you. That sounds all New York, you know. And, um, and we, we, will, uh, we will get together. And I, I have a feeling that there's going to be a group of people that um, almost none of whom have ever met before, but who are going to, before they get there, consider themselves close friends. So um, we're, we're going to take another break here. Um, we'll be um, uh, coming back shortly. Remember, you can be a supporter of Brave Hearts for Kids, for, for Brave Hearts Radio. You can be a supporter of Brave Hearts for Kids for, for, for anything. Just go to braveheartsforkids.org and, uh, and, and fi- find that donate now, you know. Um, but you can uh, support Brave Hearts Radio uh, for as little as $280 and... You're not just supporting your business. You're not just uh, supporting yourself and promoting yourself. You're helping the Brave Hearts for Kids pediatric cancer charity organization, braveheartsforkids.org. So stick with us. We will be back on the other side of 60 seconds after these very important messages. Voice America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. Brave Hearts Radio is sponsored by Brave Hearts for Kids, a national pediatric cancer charity. 
Our mission is to provide life-saving hope and inspiration to families facing a pediatric cancer ordeal through outreach, information, and mentoring. Our recently updated Spotlight Hope mobile app puts families in touch with resources to help make their lives better from any location in the USA. For more information or to help, go to BraveHeartsForKids.org. That's BraveHeartsForKids.org. As the mission specialist, Brian Reinbold doesn't fly the rockets, but he does help to make sure each mission gets accomplished. Employee engagement is such an important concern for business people today. Brian helps socially conscious businesses reduce expenses, increase profits, and inspire a sense of dedication in the workforce by training mission-building behavior. It's not what Brian does that's most important. It's what people do after he trains them. For more information, contact Brian Reinbold at Mission Specialist at BraveHeartsRadio.org. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're part of Brave Hearts Radio. Call into the program today to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also email Brian. His email is missionspecialist at braveheartsradio.org. Now, back to this week's show. And welcome back, Bravehearts. You're listening to Bravehearts Radio. We broadcast live on Voice America's flagship variety channel. And all the shows, uh, all 89 shows now, are available on demand 24-7 on your favorite podcast service. Coming into the third segment, I always like to say a little bit about the National Day. NationalDayCalendar.com is one of the uh, great supporters of the Brave Hearts for Kids uh, Pediatric Cancer Charity. And April 28th was National Brave Hearts Day. Um, had a really nice... Um, uh, National Day podcast uh, a couple times that week. So uh, today is National Shrimp Day and National Clean Up Your Room Day, among other things. And it reminded me of a saying I saw on a, a friend of mine had on his desk a long time ago. It says, those fond of keeping a tidy desk never know the joy of finding something that they thought was hopelessly, irretrievably lost. And so, uh, you know, that uh, reminded me of Clean Up Your Room Day because uh, some same thing might be said for your room. Uh, my guest today is uh, Scott Mason. Uh, he is the, um, the, the founder and the principal of Scott Mason's Purpose Highway podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, he's a, you know, and a pretty good guy. He's, he's a guy I'll answer his calls when he, uh, when he calls without an appointment. And uh, uh, we we agreed that's a that's a big deal these days. Take it seriously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you you'd mentioned that um, uh, you know the, the the Central Park experience for you, uh, and there's a connection with uh, purpose, uh, yeah. your mainstay, and the connection between purpose and service. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm gonna step back a little bit. I didn't always, as was the case with many people, have any commitment to purpose. I grew up in Kansas, got out to come here to New York City for law school, was interested in public policy, ended up working, as I mentioned earlier in the hour, for New York City in various different executive and legal capacities. I had gone to law school originally because I was interested in public policy, and so a job with the city of New York was a dream job. Mm-hmm. But really, underneath it all, especially once I'd been there for a while, 
my motivations for succeeding and scaling the career ladder there were not necessarily about public policy. They were about being the kid from Kansas whose dad worked for the highway patrol, whose mom worked for a dog food factory, who wasn't expected to succeed, who wasn't meant to succeed, who heaven knows only must have ended up in Columbia Law School by accident. What, what the heck happened there? And wanted to prove to the world that I could be something and do something. Mm-hmm. And that meant attaining status. Status that was unimpeachable, indisputable, and inarguable. After a while, through a lot of aggressive opportunity scanning, learning how to mentor myself and and move up that ladder, I ended up second in command of a city agency. It was an influential one at that. Mm -hmm. But during that climb, I'll never forget one day I left the office after some early morning meetings to get some breakfast. And I looked at a man who owned a coffee cart on the sidewalk. And I was so jealous of him. I didn't care about anything. He gave coffee to people and got a smile. He had a function in this world. I wanted to be him. Many years later, two careers later, as a matter of fact, I owned a printing business with a, with a business partner. Mm-hmm. We grew and we scaled it successfully, but our visions for the future of that company were different. He wanted to slow the scaling and pull it back a little bit. I wanted to continue to grow. Obviously, those were opposite visions for the future, and so we could not continue. Mm-hmm. And I, we agreed that I should leave because I'd had a whole professional experience, set of experiences beforehand and would be better able to transition. I had not felt connected to that business either, Brian. Mm-hmm. I saw it as a venture to grow and scale, again, to prove that I was something to the world. For the first time in my life, I had no direction to move towards. And I felt like a raft in the ocean just hitting rocks left and right. One night, I decided to ride my bike through Central Park. It was raining that night. And at the time, I wore glasses. And they began to fog up. So there I was, the genius that I (laughs) was fancying myself, riding in the dark in Central Park in the rain with foggy glasses. And yes, I use that word genius facetiously. (laughs) And as I was sitting, as I was pedaling along, I was thinking, how can I take all of these skills and experiences to get where I want to go, to be what I need to be, to show everyone? And for whatever reason, maybe it was being in the dark, in the rain with those foggy glasses. Maybe it was the fogginess of the glasses, Brian. I never thought about that before. That allowed me to have clarity. I realized I was thinking about everything so wrong. I was thinking about how I can get Scott what Scott wanted, as opposed to being of service to others. I'd never thought about that before. And in that moment, there was a shift in my mind. And I was overcome with emotion. I really was. It just flooded. I felt like a faucet had turned. 
And in fact, I was so distracted by all this turmoil that suddenly it was a good turmoil that had erupted mm-hmm. inside that I'm lucky I didn't run into a tree because <laughs> being foggy glasses in the rain, you know, bicycle on a slick street at night and distracted, <laughs> that could have led to anything. My mindset shift utterly transformed. I felt like a spigot had been mm-hmm. turned and suddenly I was on this providential river. I began to approach people in my network. I'd been very reticent about talking to people about the transition out of that business. I thought people would view, I, view me as a failure. I didn't know what to say, all this sort of humility, all this sort of stuff. I began to talk to people about how I could be of service to them. I simply mentioned this transition in passing, and it was amazing how people responded. Mm-hmm. People were connecting me to others, left and right. People were giving me advice. People were begging me to work with them as, as, their, as my client, you know, for them to be clients of mine. Everything in my life transformed. And it also gave me the space to begin to pull back and think. COVID, as you've undoubtedly heard before, and as we touched on earlier, was a pause. Mm-hmm. It allowed me to think. This happened all right before the lockdown, right before when COVID was beginning to be a whisper in the background and then, of course, fully escalated. And so a bicycle ride to Central Park is what opened my eyes, maybe clarity through foggy glasses, Hmm. to understand I had to connect to my purpose. My purpose, in order to be anything meaningful, had to be connected to service. Yeah. And it's transformed everything about my thinking in terms of, like I mentioned earlier, interface with others, ethics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My whole view of ethics has changed. My vision of my future, all of it. It's led me here to you and why I felt so connected with you. Even before we formally met, the minute I looked at your LinkedIn profile, that was about service. Yeah, that's right. It, um, I think that's the first line, servant leader. You know? Yes. Um, one, one of the things that, um, that, that uh, has driven me over the years is the idea that um, um, service is the, uh, is the key to happiness. Yes. And uh, it came from one of my mentors. Um, and, you know, not, not, not a guy that I, that I spent a lot of time with, except um, understanding him as best I could, Albert Schweitzer. He said, I don't know what your destiny will be, but I do know that the only ones among you who will be truly happy are those who have found, sought and found a way to be of service to others. And so um, service, um, service is the key. And happiness is not something to be pursued by that standard. Happiness is something that ensues from service. That's a good purpose, isn't it? Well, I think about my own journey and the person who was passing the coffee out, he was happy because of what he was doing. He wasn't doing it, I assume, personally to make himself happy, although maybe he did, but he was getting happiness visibly from seeing the smiles on those customers' faces. I was pursuing what I thought would make me happy as an outcome and never achieving it. I am happy now. Exactly. Exactly. Not because I'm seeking it, it just 
comes. It just, it, yeah, it, it ensues. Yeah. <laughs> $5 word. I love it. I might have to steal it. Ensues? Yeah. Well, I, you know, and as a, as a, as a recovering lawyer, uh, you know, it's, it's not the other kind of sues. All right. So oh, thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're going to be, uh, we're going to be going to our final break of the day soon here. And then um, we, um, uh, we'll, we'll be coming back with uh, Scott Mason uh, here on uh, Brave Hearts Radio. Uh, remember, you can support Brave Hearts Radio and support your own business uh, for as little as $280. And you're not just uh, doing good for your business, not for yourself, not just for Brave Hearts Radio. You're helping the families and uh, the Brave Hearts kids. Braveheartsforkids.org. Um, you know, making a difference right now. So stick with us. We'll be back on the other side of 60 Seconds. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Brave Hearts Radio is sponsored by Brave Hearts for Kids, a national pediatric cancer charity. Our mission is to provide life-saving hope and inspiration to families facing a pediatric cancer ordeal through outreach, information, and mentoring. Our recently updated Spotlight Hope mobile app puts families in touch with resources to help make their lives better from any location in the USA. For more information or to help, go to BraveHeartsForKids.org. That's BraveHeartsForKids.org. As the mission specialist, Brian Reinbold doesn't fly the rockets, but he does help to make sure each mission gets accomplished. Employee engagement is such an important concern for business people today. Brian helps socially conscious businesses reduce expenses, increase profits, and inspire a sense of dedication in the workforce by training mission-building behavior. It's not what Brian does that's most important. It's what people do after he trains them. For more information, contact Brian Reinbold at Mission Specialist at BraveHeartsRadio.org. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're part of Bravehearts Radio. Call into the program today to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also email Brian. His email is missionspecialist at braveheartsradio.org. Now, back to this week's show. And welcome back, Bravehearts. You're listening to Bravehearts Radio. I'm your host, Brian Reinbold, and I am the mission specialist because... It's your parade. I just help make sure you're in it. And, uh, you know, we got a couple trips to Machu Picchu planned this year. December uh, 12th through the 18th, we'll be there at uh, Catalina Retreat Center. That's uh, Daniel Gutierrez's place. And Daniel has assured me that I'm going to be able to do some cooking there. Um, as we progress throughout the year, we are developing something for television called The Cooking Show. You know, as, as divided and divisive as our world can be, I believe that uh, we all like to eat each other's food. And so uh, there's, a, there's a connection to be made um, through the cooking show. Uh, my guest today is Scott Mason, and uh, he's from New York City. He'd been involved in something, uh, URINYC.org, uh, 
And uh, it reminded me a little bit about the CHI, the Chicago Help Initiative, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, still to date, our most popular show we've ever had here. Uh, Jacqueline Hayes was the founder of the Chicago Help Initiative, and um, the, uh, the, the, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the film, the documentary film uh, that won the Vatican Award mm. for Best Documentary Film is called um, I Have a Name. Mm. Um, about the homeless and mm-hmm. very it's a powerful it's a powerful story but uh, I'm going to digress uh, from telling that story so that Scott can say a little bit more about the Urban Resource Institute absolutely Urban Resource Institute is the greatest organization almost no one has ever heard of mm. it is the United States' largest provider of domestic violence shelter services. And it has done some amazing, amazing innovative work. I was its general counsel and I also ran operations for it for a while. And I had the privilege of being involved in one of those innovative projects, life-changing. It also runs homeless shelters as well as some homes for the developmentally disabled. And if there is work that is invisible or the people choose not to see, Shelter services for people who have suffered from domestic violence who may have nowhere else to go. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Urban Resource Institute, one of its innovative programs was in allowing animals into these shelters, which have historically not been serviced by domestic violence shelters. Mm-hmm. However, a lot of women would not leave their homes and their abusers because they couldn't take their pets with them. Either yeah. they couldn't imagine their lives without their dog or the abusers, unfortunately, would threaten the animals in right. order to keep the woman in the house. So that URI did this. It was a massive lift it's something truly innovative. So those sorts of invisible calamities that people have that go through every day. And by the way, COVID and the pandemic, as I'm sure many of your viewers and listeners know, have exacerbated these domestic abuse problems because in the yeah. pre-COVID era, at least there might be the ability of the the husband or the abuser. To to, yeah. Right. How can you secretly leave uh, your abuser, which is what would happen a lot of times in domestic violence situations, if you're in lockdown all the time, mm-hmm. let alone take your animals and your bags and your children with you. Then homeless services, unfortunately, those have been escalating uh, during the past few years. COVID has only made that situation worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, companies like this that were um, that are providing these services under the radar are truly doing purposeful work. By the way, Urban Resource Institute was founded in the 80s during a time in which there was a lot of urban decay, particularly in cities like New York. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times the blame for a whole host of social ills were were being put on the women who were actually suffering from a lot of these social ills rather than us looking at the structural inputs that may have caused these problems. So the fact that Urban Resource Institute started in the 80s serving a population that was being demonized and has grown and grown and grown and survived and becoming become one of the leaders, not only in the United States, but in the world around this yeah. issue is something as to the testament of its power. The website is urinyc.org. Give them money and support. They deserve it. 
Wow, well said. Um, and you, so you're you're still involved with uh, with the organization, though not general counsel or. I'm not working team. there anymore, but I am their loyal ambassador and will be for life because Wonderful. the mission deserves it. It was time for me to. I went to own a business. I'd always wanted to get into entrepreneurialism. So when the right opportunity came, I went. But I've never. Yeah. left it. In fact, that company that I went to, URI, was a client of that company. You know, and it's it's interesting. People, uh, uh, so many people in the uh, nonprofit organiz- or nonprofit world will tell me um, that they're so surprised that uh, that we can we can be uh, you know sponsored by a, uh, a pediatric cancer charity and then and still promote other organizations. And I, I have this idea: doing good anywhere does good everywhere. Helping URI NYC doesn't hurt Braveheart for kids it makes the world better yeah that makes the that makes it better for everyone Absolutely. And, uh, and that that's that's the idea there um you know you you mentioned uh, blame and i i think uh, you know the idea of of who's to blame yeah. is something that is is really a difficult part of uh of of what we're uh, going through in in our world and society now yeah. uh there's so much uh effort and so much energy spent on um, hey, it's your fault. No, it's not. It's uh, I'm not to blame. You know, and and there, there are people blaming someone, people defending themselves, uh, and uh, lost in the shuffle is uh, how the heck do we adapt? Yeah, I agree. I, you know, sometimes I liken the lockdown era and the COVID era as us traveling through a very very dense forest mm-hmm. with tons of mist. We're stumbling over brambles and we're running into trees. People are falling and they're not able to, and they weren't able to make the way out. Mm -hmm. Others fumble and get scratched and hurt. Others somehow find their way forward. We know that there will be a day in which our lives are not dominated by COVID. I liken that to a meadow that eventually we get to the end of the forest through the mist and then we see it. But like you're saying, what do we do once we're in that meadow? If we're fighting and blaming, most importantly, not reaching out a, a holding hand or a helping hand to yeah. those that are struggling in this forest with us, we are not going to be in a state where we can do anything once we've hit that field. Cities weren't built. Empires weren't built. Great accomplishments weren't made because of people ripping each other down. It is very hard. And I am surrounded by people all the time who are like this, and I'm sure you are too, who are, I hate those people because, or those people should die because, in fact, some people are going to have to die. Those sorts of remarks are have become a regular part of our discourse. Mm-hmm. Empathy, the belief that every last person matters is the only counter voice that I can think of. We have an ethical obligation to do that if we are going to recover. COVID presents opportunity in the future, not just catastrophe in the, fa- in the past. Yeah. But we have to be reaching out to each other despite these differences. And as hard as it may be, if we're going to fully exploit that opportunity, become everything that we as a culture have within us. Yeah. And, you know, the idea that every, every person matters, every voice matters is something that um, I, I, I think of it as like, like the pieces of a jigsaw puzzle, you yes. know, and, and I use the jigsaw puzzle analogy as a longer story than we have time for now. But the idea that if, 
every single piece of the puzzle matters. If you've got a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle and one of them misses is, is missing, it just doesn't worry. It just doesn't look right. Yes. You know, it's just, that's just not right. Yeah. Final thoughts. <laughs> I'll tell a very brief story that goes us to that. Super. And it was very, it was an attitude that was contrary to that, that really hit home. Mm-hmm. I hope that everyone who's watching this and listens to this, everyone who I have in my life feels a way about me that I do about them, that I'm a human being, that I have something that has something to offer. Mm-hmm. I once had a boss who, I, she made a decision. The people directly reporting to her felt this decision was catastrophic in its potential implications. And I was appointed to be the one to tell her <laughs> I should have just said no. But I did anyway, because I really did feel she was walking off the ledge of a cliff. And in front of my staff and in front of my colleagues, this boss told me, you know, Scott, when you talk, you sound so stupid that if I were you, I'd consider just buying a pistol, putting it in my mouth and just shooting. She did not believe that I mattered. She didn't believe that my voice mattered. Every single person who we say that to, whether out loud or by dismissing them and their voice or their feelings in our minds or in our hearts, could be me. The challenge that I throw out to everybody and that I throw out to myself, and I'm not going to say I succeed all the time, Brian, but that I still throw out, Mm -hmm. is to remember that whatever connection you might feel to me or whoever might feel to you, when we're dismissing someone They are every bit as much you or me to themselves as we are to ourselves and each other. What if I had been someone who had a mental health issue that put me in a position where I said, I would follow your advice. Okay, I'll Mm -hmm. go home and kill myself now. You didn't know that. My voice being silenced could have triggered all sorts of things. Fortunately, I didn't believe her. All that is to say is that dismissing the voice of others is something we habituate ourselves to changing that particular tune on our record player or our CD player or our MP3 player or our streaming service, whatever Mm -hmm. you use is something that I urge all of us to be conscious on. Again, it's a matter of ethics and it's a matter of allowing that person the space to connect to their own purpose, potentially changing futures in ways that we couldn't have imagined. And on that Thank you for joining us this week. We have been uh, talking with Scott Mason. It has been a pleasure. Scott Mason's Purpose Highway podcast. Um, You can connect with uh, URINYC.org or BraveHeartsForKids.org or your favorite charity. Make a donation. You know, let's all pitch in. Please plan to join us every Monday at 3 Central Time or whenever you feel like it on your favorite podcast service. Next week, we'll have as our guest, uh, J.D. Gershbein, and we'll be uh, talking about reinventing ourselves post-COVID. Remember that doing good anywhere does good everywhere, and we'll see you next week. Until then, be well, stay well. Thanks, Scott. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us this week for Brave Hearts Radio. Be sure to tune in for another edition featuring your host, Brian Reinbold. The show can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk again next time.